essentially, I believe that popularized anaerobic processing techniques because it was seen that it could be very controlled. You could ferment over a longer period of time and create complex flavors, clean cups, and sweeter cups of coffee. From Humble Coffee, this is Coffee 101, your one-stop shop for building your coffee knowledge. With Coffee 101, you'll understand coffee enough to make a phenomenal cup anywhere. Solve the gnarliest brewing emergencies, and there are some, and wow your local barista. Coffee 101 is the ultimate coffee know-how podcast. We're talking beans, roast, and all things coffee, taking the mystery out of all those strange words with a bunch of syllables and solving coffee dilemmas so you can crush your coffee game. If you're new to the show, I'd recommend starting with the first episode. Coffee 101 is designed to build your coffee knowledge in chronological order from the ground up, pun intended. Coffee 101, go ahead, pat yourself on the back. Your coffee game just leveled up. Today on the show, I am joined by my good coffee friend, Stefan, and we are talking about the other coffee processing methods. Last time we talked about the two main ones being washed and dry or natural processed. And now we're going to kind of get into the weeds. And again, I brought back Alika Lifty with Onyx Coffee Lab and just kind of picked his brain. And we went back and forth on what these other coffee processing methods are. So, Stefan, welcome to the show. Thanks, Kenneth. Uh, Glad to be here. Now, I know that you know this because you're a coffee dork <laughs> or geek or whatever you want to call it. What did you call it? A 101-er. You're a 101-er. Yep. Okay. And uh, we talked about the main processing methods, mm-hmm. washed and then dry and natural or natural. Um, but today we're going to talk about some of the others that people will see on bags and then and then what that means. So just off the top of your head, um, do you know kind of three or four we're going to talk about four so if you get four (laughs) if you get four then i'll i'll give you like an imaginary high five uh let's see i I know we're definitely gonna be talking about some uh, pulped natural processing some honey processing uh probably a a very interesting uh, wet or gilling basah processing yeah uh and then even the anaerobic processing method as well see i thought i was going to be able to pull fast one on you and, and stump you I I may have uh, cheated and read the read our notes ahead of time. <laughs> well, well, there you go. Um, and so, yes, we will be talking about all those methods. So let's go to Alika. Alika, great to have you on the show. It's great to be here, Kenneth. Let's talk about pulped natural. So we've talked about the two main ones and one of oneers out there. If you have to remember two, uh, those are the two to remember. But we have, uh, let's see, we have four, four more that are interesting and unique um, that we're going to talk about. So Alika, Pulp Natural. Oh, you had to put me on the spot here. I'm not Absolutely. super familiar. You're, I mean, it's like with... literally just me and you. Who else am I going to put on the spot? <laughs> I guess so. We can... <laughs> We can find somebody around this. Um, yeah, pulp natural is not a, a processing method I am personally very familiar with. Yeah. Um, at Onyx, we it has been 
since before I've been a part of it, that we have uh, carried a a pulp natural coffee. Um, But I do have a similar uh, understanding of it, I guess. Um, Like, you know, everything goes through a, you know, some way we remove the fruit, fermentation of some kind, and then, uh, like you said, drying and then dry milling. Um, Pulp natural is is predominantly uh, used in uh, Brazilian coffees. Uh It's the... I mean, Brazil, the largest producer of Arabica coffee in the world and pulp. And so probably most coffee that I have that is unlabeled also is probably a pulp natural Brazil. Right. You know, odds are if it's Arabica beans, it's going to come from Brazil. Um, so it's kind of it's considered in between uh, wet and dry processing. You're going to have yeah. it's going to go through a form of wet milling, um, mm-hmm. although that could could be a misnomer because many of these don't use water at this stage of the process. Um, however, it does, it does have a form of deep pulping where it is essentially just trying to remove the skin and not any of the fruit right. uh, from the layer. And so that's the, um, the pulped part of our pulped natural processing. Yep. And then what it does is they take it and they, it's, it's like they skip that fermentation stage when we're looking at the wet processed. Um, so they, they we'll say de-pulp it or remove the skin and a little bit of that mucilage. But then it's, they, it's almost like they skip the, the tanks um, and they go, they go straight to the, the drying on either on patios or through the mechanically drying. And, and, and there's still some of that mucilage or that fruit um, left there. Now, theoretically what that does, I'll, I'll say more than theoretically, I will say, what it does is it adds or improves sweetness and probably body in the cup. And right. like you pointed out that it being um, mainly used in Brazil, if you think about it, a lot of um, Brazil, I mean, they're, they're massive coffee producers. And in that, um, they have this down to a farming process. And so there are more mechanical parts as opposed which is you know i'm not saying is is good or bad but we'll say more mechanical parts to their process um as opposed to things being hand-picked uh in some of these smaller producing countries but but the key to the pulp natural i think is the elevation for most of coffee growing in brazil is inherently going to be lower than most of the specialty coffee that you're going to get from other countries. When it's at that lower elevation, it's going to be a less dense bean. And with that, it's going to have less um, going on in the cup if you were to take it straight through a wet processing method. And so so it's almost like their way um, to to compensate a little bit for, for the elevation. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. And like you said, coffee is such a huge part of, of the Brazilian economy. Right. And yeah, they absolutely have it down to a science. Like they are going to produce with excellent efficiency, more consistent coffees out of this processing. Right. And hopefully improve the coffee quality. You know, that's also part of the point is, more sweetness and body generally translates to a better or more enjoyable cup of coffee. Right. And so, yes. 
at the end of the day, if it tastes good, then thumbs up. We're happy with that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Let's if talk- it tastes good, it's good. That's right, exactly. So let's talk about uh, honey processing. And I will go ahead and say, for the one oneers out there whose ears just perked up and thought, ooh, honey, there is no honey used <laughs> in this. So don't be fooled. It's it's easy easy to 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 get confused with it, um, especially seeing like flavor notes on a bag of coffee. Especially if you had honey on a bag of coffee, yeah, exactly. Easily get confused. Um, right. Honey processing is, is a really easy segue from pulp natural because it is a very similar method, mm-hmm. um, depulped in some way, usually to different levels, and so it's an attempt to to apply more control to the dry processing method. Instead of having the whole fruit layer, we are removing a specific portion of the fruit. So we have not as much fruit so it can dry and ferment more quickly, which again, is just more control over that uh, environment and therefore the final cup. So yeah, it's, it also sits somewhere in between uh, a wash and a dry process as far as like flavor profile. It tends to be very crisp and acidity. Um, but they also can have um, more body and uh, more intense fruit flavors than a wet processed coffee, um, while being more uh, delicate than a natural processed coffee. Correct. So, like what Alika uh, is saying there, one of wonders is for pulp natural and for honey processed, we are somewhere in the realm in between wet processed and natural or dry processed the key here is they can be much more exact at how much of that that mucilage or that fruit is taken off so think about it um you know as if you're um just just whittling down uh an apple you know all the way to the core and this is where it gets a little sticky pun intended (laughs) Uh, but there are different adjectives to honey processing. You can have white, yellow, gold, red, or black. And so I'm going to break this down as, as simply as I can. Do um, it. Okay. I believe you can. I'm going to try my best. So white or yellow honey processed is going to have less mucilage on it. Gold, red, or black are going to have more mucilage or fruit on it. So, white or yellow honey processed, think closer to a washed processed, but maybe a little sweeter. Gold, red, or black, think about um, being closer to a natural, um, but definitely being sweeter as far as like associating closer to a natural or a dry processed is that clear as mud <laughs> there's a yeah there's a lot of details um in there and i i think it's important to note too that this um isn't a standardized system no. through a lot of different origins so a yellow honey processed in costa rica could have a slightly different amount of mucilage left in um than in like el salvador yeah. However, it gives you an idea of how much fruit flavor should I expect from that's, this cup. That's right. And, and you know, for, for, for people who have not seen a fresh coffee cherry, 
between the skin and the actual parchment that the seed hides in, there is not that much mucilage. I mean, it's not like when you think in America of a cherry, you know, that you can eat. And um, it's it's not that. And so you're 100% right in that uh, it is a little ambiguous in here. Another thing I would say, though, is that if they say, um, you know, gold, red, or black, and, and you as the roaster or the coffee company get the bean, the green beans in – and they do have kind of that, that it's more like a black um, or a brownish color, um, then, then they are correct as far as like, you know, it, it, they have left more mucilage on there uh, to dry, you know, closer to, you know, what you might see with a natural. So kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah. And so some places tend to be more, you know, white, yellow, honey process and in some places you see more red and black honey processed um yeah honey processing i think i i don't remember when i first started seeing it it'd be the late the late 2010s um yeah when i feel like it started becoming more popular right um and yeah i just think of it as a very controlled natural processing like how can we further control um the fermentation and drying process. And I think that's really where everything else has, has arisen from, you know, these ideas of how can we be more consistent or more controlled during the fermentation and drying phase um, right. to improve cup quality and be very consistent. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I guess one thing I was thinking about, because there are places that they kind of, uh, they really stand beside, okay, we only take off, um, 20% of the mucilage because our depulper is very exact. I, you know, theoretically, yes, I, I, I get that. But if, let's say, they have um, 100 farmers who turn in coffee at the same time and it's all put into one and sent out as one product, some are going to have different varietals, and so the seed sizes are going to be different. So I don't know, you know, I don't, I just don't know that you could be super exact. Um, mm. But we we will sum up all of honey processing to say that it's somewhere in between wet and dry processed. Does that sound fair? That sounds perfectly fair. It's <laughs> yeah, it's it it lies around there with 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 pulp natural in terms of you know we're taking off some fruit, not all of it. Yeah. And drawing it. Yes. Did you know that coffee is actually more nuanced than wine? I know. Mind blown, right? Well, there's nothing better as far as learning more about that than the combination of Coffee 101 and Humble Coffee. Learn all you need to know about coffee and put it to work with Humble Coffee who only sources coffees with cupping scores at or above 84 and consistently is ranked one of the best specialty coffee roasters in the U.S. Check us out in the show notes, or you can just go to HumbleCoffee.com. Welcome back. I'm Kenneth Thomas, and this is Coffee 101. 
We're talking today with Alika Lifty of Onyx Coffee Lab, and we're talking about all these weird coffee processing methods. So let's get back to it. So wet hold or gilling basam, um, you'll see it, you know, written both ways. But a lot of times, um, they'll it'll it'll say gilling basam, um, but you'll see it both ways. Um, with this method, the beans are depulped, which we said means that we are removing the skin and part of the mucilage, and then put direct. So at this point, we are skipping the. Um, the water tanks and we are putting it directly out into the sun um, to dry um, but here's where the the twist is as far as this being a unique uh, processing method they're only dried to a moisture content of about 30 to 35 percent instead of that 10 to 12 percent and it's at this point that they are depulped again. So they're removing at this point the rest of that mucilage, but they are also removing the parchment, which is usually not done until that coffee gets to a moisture content of 10 to 12%. Um, so is this, sorry, is at this stage, after that initial 30 to 35% moisture content, is this a mechanical? Yes. Removal of that parchment layer. Yes. Yeah, so think about it okay. as dry milling because you're but technically. But it's still wet. <laughs> yeah. Because you're technically removing the parchment, which is what you would do in the dry milling process. Um, but you're doing it at 30, 35% moisture content and a little bit of mucilage, like you said, still left on there as far as moisture, as far as still a little wet. Um, instead of waiting until it gets to 10 to 12% and then at some point after that dry milling it and taking the parchment off at that point. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I think that explains a lot about um, the cups that we, we get out of this, that, that clarification does. Right. And so, so these are the, this is a processing method almost exclusively just we'll say um, in parts of, of Indonesia, when we're looking at the different uh, big groups being the Americas, uh, Asia, Indonesia, and uh, Africa, so so this is something that you will see come of come out of um, some of those coffees, or a lot of those coffees um, in Asia and Indonesia, um, except for, and we've talked about this before as well, um, Papua New Guinea. Papua New Guinea is different as far as that that cup and and also that processing method um like you alluded to it does tend to lead to a more what i call earthy cup so something that has more body um you get notes of like tobacco leather spice wood earthy uh it does tend to be something that is is unique um and you know just a little cheat here for uh, all you roasters out there who you know want to look cool to your bosses by default uh, it's going to have a little greener look to it as far as the green coffee goes and that's you know because of the way that it's processed that makes a lot of sense now so i i didn't uh realize that wet holing uh used mechanical um demucilage 
or demucilager. They can to remove that parchment from it. Um, because traditionally with every method we've discussed so far, there's whether it's on the drying bed, but there's a form of fermentation mm-hmm. that is removing that parchment from the exportable coffee bean. Um, and so because they're not doing that, I suspect that could be a reason for the richer green color and, you know, through fermentation, we're not developing as many acids. And so, you know, all those notes, uh, those distinctive flavor notes that you listed as, as us generally associating with these, um, these coffees, tobacco, leather, spice, woody, and earthy, you know, the thing they have in common is the, those aren't acidic flavors. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely different, um, you know, specific to, uh, I mean, it could be repeatable somewhere else, but, but we see a lot in, you know, in Asia, Indonesia area, as far as those coffees go. Mm. So tell us about anaerobic. This is kind of a new one for me. I mean, new as in the past few years. Um, anyway, I'm curious to see your thoughts and specs on it. Anaerobic processing. Um, so this is one of my favorite things recently about the coffee industry. Yeah. Um, you know, we've talked about fermentation or lack thereof through each of these processing methods and anaerobic processing is just, again, um, twists or, um, different ways of approaching each of these methods to apply more control. And one of those things in particular is our coffee's access to oxygen. Yeah. So fermentation is traditionally an anaerobic process. Anyways, if you look at wine, if you look at, um, whiskey or other grain, grain alcohols, distillation, um, they're traditionally done in an anaerobic environment. Um, similar to kimchi is fermented in closed tanks. Yeah. Um, so essentially what that does is you limit the environment. And so you're limiting the fuel, um, or limiting the, which microorganisms are going to be most active in this fermentation process. And so by limiting those the organisms that are actually fermenting and limiting the the fuel that they have, you are reducing the variance, I, I guess you could say, in your product. And so anaerobic processing as an umbrella term is just a fermentation stage with little to no oxygen. Mm-hmm. Which is different than uh, some of the other, you know, processing methods that we've talked about. Um, and to me, the cup is like way sweeter. What are your thoughts on that? So there is a lot of discussion about anaerobic processing. Uh, one of those being sweeter, fruitier cups. Traditionally, what cutting off oxygen does, you know, you need a usually like a smaller tank so that you can seal it. And so they tend to build up pressure or these cherries tend to be very close together Mm. and um, create almost like a jelly. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And so you have more free floating sugars in the, in the environment. Um, The fermentation process 
generally takes a longer period of time in these anaerobic environments than they would to achieve the same results in a washed natural or honey processing. Okay. And so this longer period of fermentation is breaking down sugars at a slower rate, which is maintaining um, sweetness in your cup, um, but also developing more complex acidity generally. And so, yeah, that contributes to sweeter cups, more uniform cups, uh, and more uniform uh, harvests, so different yeah. rounds, because you have this this further control. Um, yeah, you need um, you need some understanding of this. Usually, uh, producers need help from either other producers already doing these methods, um, or from organizations that are attempting to do this. One of the most popular, or maybe you know, who I would contribute to the popularization of anaerobic processing in uh, coffee farms would be Sasa Sestic. Okay. From Ona Coffee and his uh, Origin Coffee project, who um, he won the wow, I can't forget, remember which year, just 2016, 2015, 2015, 2015 World Barista Championship with a carbonic maceration process coffee, which is an anaerobic fermentation technique borrowed from the wine industry. So, whole cherries. So, yeah, this would be considered a twist on natural processing. Mm-hmm. Whole cherries added to a tank and CO2. So there's probably a little headroom in the tank. CO2 uh-huh. is pumped in to force the oxygen out. There's the carbonic portion. Uh-huh. And then this uh, increase in pressure as the cherries then ferment, um, create more CO2 bubbles and kind of pop mm. the cherries. And so that's why it's called carbonic maceration. But essentially, I, I believe that popularized anaerobic processing techniques because it was seen that it could be very controlled. You could ferment over a longer period of time and create complex flavors, Mm -hmm. clean cups and um, sweeter cups of coffee. Now that's not every single one of these, but I think they have a higher potential to, to do this. Yeah. You know, and what I see in what you're saying is um, just like we see a difference in the same roasted coffee in drip coffee and that cup being espresso, um, one of the big differences is pressure. Um, and so that I can see as being a factor and, uh, in kind of what you're saying. And then also, and we talked about it a little earlier in the show when we talked about dry or natural processed coffees and the potential to um, let them go longer, that leading to more sweetness. And so same thing here. Inherently, it sounds like these can go longer and therefore, at least in my head, it makes sense that, okay, that maybe that's those things are why I'm tasting more sweetness in at least a lot of the anaerobics that I've tried. Yeah. So natural fermentation, you have the whole fruit for each of these seeds. And so you have more accessible sugar for the fermentation process. And then, yeah, if you ferment that coffee for too long before you dry mill it, then we get those boozy, not sweet cups. But if we stop before then, yes, we get more sweetness in the cup. And same thing with anaerobic processing. And I think that's the part of the debate is that, again, there's no for many of these anaerobic methods, there's no standardization and it's a lot of experimentation. And some of these experiments 
go bad. Right. <laughs> and we get these boozy yeah. cups of coffee that have fermented too long, broken yeah. down too much sugars, and we don't have a sweeter cup. Um, which, you know, you add alcohol and too much acid to something, you do cover up the experience of origin, much like you would from you know, over roasting a coffee, you know, we have too much processing and now we're not getting an experience of, of that coffee or the terroir. Yeah. Well, and, um, you know, I, I have, I have had cups like what you're talking about where it's a little too much. And to me, I mean, I still drink it, but it's like super, super, <laughs> uh, sweet, um, almost like a mead, you know, like, um, um, you know, like a honey based alcohol, um, you know, just mm. super, like almost over the top sweet. Um, and so just to kind of sum up uh, as we're wrapping up here, I would say that the progression of sweetness in the cup uh, is your base and your expectation is is wet processed. Um, that's what everybody thinks of when they think of coffee. I would say wet hold or gilling basa as well as honey processed and pulp natural are all somewhere there in the middle and then you have dry processed and then i would say above dry processed so the only one we talked about probably outside of at the same or outside of the parameter of dry processed would be uh anaerobic which is kind of the the new up and coming so um alika it was a pleasure having you on the show well, thanks for having me. It's been been great to talk about some of these processing methods and how they they get into your final cup. And hopefully, um, you know, people listening to this can can decipher some of this and decide like, oh, well, I want right. I don't want an acidic fruity cup, so let me look for uh, for this wet hold coffees um, right. so that I I miss some of those fruity notes. Whereas other people who are like, well, I really enjoyed a fruity wash coffee, so maybe I should try a natural or an anaerobic. Um, yeah, hopefully this was was informative, and I'm super appreciative that you uh, uh, reached out and I managed to to come over here. Yeah, no, it's a pleasure having you. And uh, tell tell everybody where they can find you, um, slinging coffee <laughs> online and uh, like literally in person. Absolutely. So in person, you can often find me at Onyx Coffee Lab in Rogers, Arkansas. We have our HQ roastery and training lab uh, out of that location. And so I'm generally in the basement teaching either our own baristas uh, or uh, any of our wholesale partners uh, down there. Um, So yeah, Onyx Coffee Lab online, Onyx Coffee Lab on YouTube. Um, Every one of our coffee offerings, I, I develop brew guides for them. So a filter recipe or an espresso recipe just to help people get a, um, a starting point with a brand new coffee. And so um, if any of you are uh, wondering some of the traits of any of these coffees, feel free to check that page out. We have had a lot of different uh, processing methods uh, come through um, our lab. And if you find yourself a processing method from a different roaster, you know, a similar brewing approach that, that we took in this brew guide um, ought to help you. That's right. And um, the brew guides that Alik is talking about, you can find them directly on the website, uh, but you can also look them up on YouTube. And uh, he does a fantastic job. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I love doing those. Um, 
it's great to hear people's feedback on, you know, yeah, I got this, you know, anaerobic or low O2, which is anaerobic um, coffee from this other roaster. And I tried your recipe on it and it was a good cup. So that's always great to hear. Um, and then, yeah. yeah, you can also find me at Alika Lifty, E-L-I-K-A-L-I-F-T-E-E on Instagram. And I have no other forms of social media because I don't know how to use them. <laughs> well, I wish I didn't know how to use them, uh, <laughs> but I have... I have kids and uh, I got to I got to keep up with uh, what they're doing. Uh, Alika, I enjoyed having you on the show today. Alika from Onyx Coffee Lab. Thanks, Kenneth. I tell you what, I am really excited to see where anaerobic coffee processing is going. It's definitely interesting. uh, Definitely interesting. Listen to how he described all the different methods, especially some of these more unique methods and Maybe the future of uh, of some interesting interesting ones we may see more and more and more out there. You know, and I've had and and, and Alika and I, uh, you know, we talked about it, but I've had and he's had and I, and you've probably had some where the anaerobic process is almost taken a little too far, and, and it he described it as boozy, like it mm-hmm. tastes it tastes boozy to me. It's like it tastes like honey mead. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a overly sweet. Right. But uh, but I've also had I'd say at least fifty percent of the anaerobic processed ones I've had are just, they just hit the nail on the head. Yeah, and they're some of my favorite coffees, yeah. hands down. For sure, for sure, very complex cup. They are. Yep. And so we enjoyed having him on the show today, and we look forward to hopefully getting him back sometime soon. And um, just going out there in the world like all the 101ers and tasting all these coffees with these different processing methods. For sure. Yeah. Next time you're out in the store and you're uh, getting a bag of coffee or you're online browsing for some coffee, be sure to not just look at uh, where the coffee's from, but maybe look at some of the processing methods involved. That's it for our show today. Thanks, everybody, for listening to Coffee 101, brought to you by Humble Coffee. Give us a follow if you haven't on your favorite podcast thing, whether that's Apple or Stitcher or Spotify or whatever. We're out there on pretty much all of them. Leave us a review. We would love to hear from you. We read every single review. If you have coffee questions, just actually leave them in that review that you leave. And I have a list when people leave those requests and we will get to them in chronological order as we're going through Coffee 101. As a backup, you can always DM us on Instagram. We'd love to hear from you either way. Looking for great coffee? Click on the website link in the show notes below or go to humblecoffee.com. If you are a business looking for coffee or if you're just looking to educate your staff, then send them to Coffee 101. And if you're looking for coffee, head on over to Humble Coffee and check them out. You can fill out the wholesale form, and uh, we would love to uh, chat with you. All right, 101ers, love y'all. See you next time.